Welcome to Coffee and Change, a podcast where we talk about change in our lives, our work, and our world, and how we're managing it. Welcome back. In my most recent discussions and the past couple episodes, I've been thinking a lot about resilience and specifically how leaders show up and keep moving in the face of adversity and uncertainty. My next guest and I met through LinkedIn and he had a great story to share about resilience and facing uncertainty and adversity. Daniel Blue is the founder and president of Quest Education who focuses on teaching financial education and literacy to Americans to help them understand how to save for their future, protect their assets, save money on taxes, and get funding they need to eliminate debt. The discussion I had with Daniel was pretty timely considering everything that's going on with the economy right now and how many people are trying to make ends meet. Our discussion talks about how Daniel came out of a time in 2008 and 2009 and founded his business and what keeps him going in the face of adversity. Enjoy the discussion. Let's kick it off. Um, Why don't you start off by introducing yourself, telling us who you are and what Quest Education is. Yeah. So my name is Daniel Blue. I'm president of Quest Education, and uh, we're a firm here out of Las Vegas. Uh, We've got clients in all 50 states, and and everything that we do is, for the most part, over the phone, where we educate people on retirement accounts for self-employed folks, Uh, people that have a 1099 income, LLC, sole proprietorship, you know, someone that has some kind of side hustle, and we help them understand that there's different retirement account options for for those that are self-employed where you can really get creative with IRAs and 401ks and and do things like take money out with no penalties and no taxes to maybe fund a business or invest outside the stock market like in real estate. So really just helping people understand that there's a lot of other financial strategies that you can start uh, utilizing. And and a lot of these strategies are not being discussed by financial advisors and and CPAs and and things of that nature. Well, I imagine um, that right now you're probably a pretty busy guy, Daniel, um, given everything that's going on in the world. Um, As you talked about, you know, advising people that are starting a business um, or a side hustle, we're in the gig economy. But, I, but it's also important to name that we're probably in one of the most um, disruptive times in our economy. Um, we're, we're sitting, what, two months into a global pandemic, um, and uh, there's a lot of people that are affected. So I'm curious, just to start off, how, how are you doing um, in, this, in this pandemic? And then secondly, how are your, how are your customers doing? You know, there's not too many people I'm talking to that have not been affected by this some way, shape, or form. Um, had a buddy that was going to put on a big event in Dallas this last week. Um, that didn't happen. You know, everything he had to do, he pivoted towards uh, everything being online. Um, me personally, I was just talking to you off air. Um, I got a pretty large rent payment for my office building, and it's a ghost town in my office building, right? I have 
someone in my st- my staff or myself or my wife go in the office once a week, grab the mail. But other than that, we're we're not using the the office. So it it, it does. Uh, it's not a good feeling to have to stroke a check and pay thousands of dollars for a space we're not utilizing. Um, we went from working in an office together, seeing each other's faces, giving each other, you know, fist bumps and, and uh, high fives and, and yelling at each other across the hall, um, having that kind of camaraderie to now everything is remote. Uh, that, that's been a challenge for us. So, yeah, I mean, we're, we're impacted just like everyone else out there. And uh, at the end of the day, our, our customers are, are people that uh, are self-employed, have some kind of uh, side hustle. Maybe they're not doing the business full time. Maybe they're they're working, and they have this this website on the side or real estate investing on the side. Uh, a lot of people are getting furloughed. A lot of people are having hours cut, and uh, I mean it's it's just the reality. Uh, but at the end of the day, um, I look back at two thousand eight, two thousand nine, and I'm not comparing the two by any stretch because we don't know how long this is going to last. But the last recession. Um, there's a lot of people that were able to, to come out stronger, a lot of innovation, um, a lot of people changed their spending habits, their saving habits, their investing habits. And, and I really feel like the same is going to happen th- this time around. We're, we're going to see some, some ch- good changes that, that come out of all this. Yeah, I mean, as you, as you talk about that, the, the word that comes to mind for me is resilience. And that's a word that a lot of people are talking about um, and starting to sort of understand what it what it means in their life. I know when you and I first chatted, and, and I and I talked to you about kind of what was the origin story of of you know of of Quest and and you and doing this work. You shared with me some pretty some pretty powerful stories, and um, I'd be I'd be curious if you kind of want to uh, to tell others about that because I think it's really important to share with with other people that in the face of adversity and uncertainty, frankly. Um, is when we learn a lot about ourselves. Um, and when you think about, you know, helping customers save for the future and you think about things like retirement or business planning, um, I think it's those skills that we pull on. Um, and sometimes we don't even realize it, right? Like you said, it's, it's not necessarily coaching we're going to get from a CPA or a financial advisor. Um, but I'd love for you to share some of the, you know, some of the things we talked about in terms of that resilience and, and empowerment that, that you yourself discovered to, to start this business and help other people. Yeah, so in, in, in 2008, I, I got hit with a double whammy. I was uh, an active uh, Oxycontin user. I'd been doing a lot of pills. Um, and then I ended up having a, a child at 19 years old. Uh, meanwhile, in the background, we had this this huge bubble, right? The the reason why we had that recession in, in 08, 09 was the, the real estate industry came to a crash, right? So I was young. I was in sales, making good money, um, but I was finding fighting these demons where I was just using pills every single day, and uh, I hit rock bottom. 2009 um, ended up losing my house. Um, ended up having to move. Um, I had to really just get out of town and, and get a new cell phone number, new friends, new identity because I just I just could not shake um, the the pills. I, I just would relapse and, and after relapse after relapse. So. After two years, I was finally able to kick the habit and uh, pretty much hit rock bottom. And uh, for me, I always was able to find um, success in sales, uh, particularly phone sales. And uh, at the time, I was selling real estate services, and I did that for, shoot, about five, six years and uh, experienced success. And in that industry, was able to move up the, the ladder. 
And uh, about six years ago, I encountered the self-directed retirement account space. I remember talking to clients that are real estate investors, and they would talk to me about they had their IRA invest in real estate. They would flip properties, uh, do buy and holds, have rental properties inside of their IRAs. And, and I thought that was, that intrigued me. I thought that was pretty neat because I always thought retirement accounts were for stocks, mutual funds, not holding real estate. So I was able to do more research in, in that industry. And um, fortunately, I had a, a good contact list, a good uh, network where I was able to start working with a company in the self-directed space and uh, worked my way up, started from the bottom, uh, started cold calling people. Um, you know, all of the people in, in sales can relate to that, right? You don't, when you get a new sales job, you don't get the best leads and here's your corner office and you're a closer, right? You are smiling and di- smiling and dialing. You're getting hung up on, you're just, uh, at the very front of the, the, the line, uh, at the end of the day, you're at the bottom of the total pole is the better analogy. And, uh, was able to work my way up. I always envisioned running a company, having a team, being a leader and, uh, was able to, get myself in a position where here today, I'm, I'm super blessed to have a staff of 13 employees. We've got clients in all 50 states. Uh, I've got clients that are in their 30s. I've got clients that are in their 60s. Uh, we help people that have a lot of money. We help people that have um, a retirement account that they're just getting started with. Um, we help people that have real estate businesses, online businesses, brick and mortar businesses. So it, it is fulfilling to be able to help people in, in different ways. And the best part is what we do is we're able to help people in a way where this, these strategies aren't talked about. And it really, it it really surprises me talking to people and they're just not aware of what they can do with their money. So definitely feels good being able to to help people in those ways. And then um, I truly believe that it's in all of our best interest that every five, 10 years, there's some kind of reset. There's something that happens with the economy. Um, you use the word resilience and that, that's a, a super important word. Um, but also this kind of just levels the playing field, right? Um, for me, I had crappy credit 10 years ago. Um, I had no money in savings. I was making six figures, but I spent what I made. Um, I was abusing my body. I didn't read books. I didn't listen to podcasts. I didn't um, invest in myself, right? And, and because of the recession and because of me hitting rock bottom, bottom, I, I made changes that are still happening today. So I, I think there's going to be people that come out of this um, so much better than, than where they were before. I really appreciate you, you sharing that because it paints such an interesting picture for me. You know, I think what's really powerful about your story is you always had vision. Like you, yeah, you were, you were, you were encountering challenges, but I think there's a real, you know, powerful thing about saying, look, I've got a vision and I want to, I want to start a company or I want to start a business. And, and you, you hit on it, you know, you didn't necessarily have the, the literacy, if you will, like financial literacy to understand, Hey, kind of what are, what are some of the options? Um, but the other thing I really appreciate that in, in doing some research, the, the core values that, that you and your company, um, have, and that you've woven those values in. And I think, you know, one of the one of the powerful combinations that organizations and leaders can have is both vision and values. And when you put the two together, it's really it, it really allows people to navigate any change because you've got sort of that that long term picture, and you know the values are what you call on to get you through kind of the tough times. And so, I'd love to um, kind of just share with folks the, the four core values that that you all have um, because I love how simple they are. Uh, but I'd like for you to to elaborate on them a little bit. Um, the first one is show respect. 
The second one is own it. The third one is synergy. And the fourth and final is grow. Um, and I think in, when you talk about grow, you, you mentioned in some of the stuff that was on your website, you, you specifically say to grow means to chase a better version of yourself. And as you described that origin story, that's what I saw. I saw you chasing a better version for yourself. So, so when you think about your vision and your values, is, is this some of the stuff that you think those of us that are maybe starting businesses in the future, those of us that are trying to navigate this space right now, are those the things we'll pull on? Are those the things we'll expect from businesses and, and guide, you know, guide those that guide us or coaches or, you know, even um, experts? Yeah, I mean, I, you look at where we're at today and, and some of the most um, successful business owners that are out there, they don't always come from Harvard. Right, they they don't always come from these prestigious universities. Um, they're not always born with money. Um, they're people that have failed a ton, and and they take a lot of their life experiences and they bring them over into their culture with their companies. And you know, when we came up with the core values, um, you know, I was the one that was the architect of, of the actual core values. But before everything was set in stone, I, I met with my leadership team, and and they added a ton. Uh, to the framework. And a lot of those core values are uh, because of them and, and their own flavors and, and verbiage that they added to that, the actual team. So, you know, I've been on both sides. I've, I've been a part of a company and owned a company where we really weren't guided by core values. Um, we didn't really have those core values in place. And, and I really think what makes a business last, especially during tough times, uh, is culture, right? Like a business is like a family. You're not always going to get along there might be tension. Uh, there, there's going to be different um, perspectives. There's going to be disagreements. And sometimes families fight, right? I mean, we all have family members where we, we fight, okay? Um, and, and that's what business is about too. Um, but it has to come from the right place. And, and that place is, we just want to win. We, we want to do, do good. We want to do the best that we can. And Sometimes when you have that emotion, you're, you're going to express yourself in a certain way, but we always come back to those core values, right? Are, are we, you know, respecting time? Are we respecting our clients? Are we respecting ourselves? Are we respecting our, our coworkers? Um, are we owning it? I mean, I'll be the first one to admit, like, I make so many mistakes. I've made tons of mistakes uh, and I make mistakes a lot. I'm going to keep making mistakes, but, you know, you got to be willing to be accountable and, and own those mistakes and, and learn from them. Um, you know, so these, these different core values that we have, we look at it as, as a compass. When we make certain decisions that are really, really big decisions for our company, you know, do, do they fit within our core values? Um, and, and this has created a culture within our company where it's not always rainbows and sunshine. It's not always a walk in the park, but we have a peace of mind knowing that we can just always go back to these core values. And then the team, they're, they're bought in as well. It's not just me getting on uh, a Monday leadership call with everyone since we're working remote and me just bossing everyone around. It's, hey, where are we trying to go? Where are we right now? And, and where do our core values fit in everything? So it, it just makes it a lot easier for decisions as well. Absolutely. And I'd love for, um, for you to talk a little bit about, um, you know, one of the things that I think a lot of people are reading about in the news today is the financial support that, um, that the government is, is putting out there for small businesses. And this Small Business Administration Paycheck Protection Program, uh, PPP loans, as many people refer to them, 
um, we're reading a lot about them. You've got a perspective on them. Um, you've actually applied for a PPP loan. So if you wouldn't mind telling us a little bit about what that experience has been like and how you, I mean, you're on all sides of this. You're helping advise people, but you're also, um, you know, you're, you're walking through that process yourself as a small business owner. What's that, what's that been like and, um, and how's it going so far? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, um, the right word is it's stressful. Um, not just me. I was, uh, there's a, a Vietnamese place. I love to eat. I, I love pho. pho. You're in Seattle, right? Seattle's, yeah, I'm in Seattle. Yeah. Seattle's got great pho. It I, does, I, yeah. I love Seattle and, and I love the pho down there. Um, so there's a place that we go here in town and uh, we go there once a month, twice a month. So I, I go there last week. I was just in the mood and um, I, I call in, I pick up the food and the owner greets me and he's got his mask on and Hey man, how, how's business? How you doing? He's like, I'm down 80%. He's like, the only reason why we're up and running right now taking orders is we have to pay rent. The landlord's not giving us any kind of break. So we're just doing this just so we can pay the bills. And on top of that, all of the vegetables and the meats that we're buying, all of the prices are double. He's like, everything I'm buying right now for our, our restaurant is double what I was paying before the virus. So not only is this guy down 80%, but every, his cost is double. I mean, that's just a really tough place to be in. And there's other businesses that aren't even up and running. So I know I, that's why I use the word stressful. Um, for, for me, I'm fortunate enough where we're still in business. I've got my team working remote. Everything that we do is mostly over the phone anyways. Um, but there's still a lot of expenses that we have that we're not able to really maximize. You know, I've got a huge, um, you know, 4,000 square foot office that is a ghost town and we got to pay for it. Um, so it's, it's impacting us in a lot of different ways, which is why it makes sense for us to apply for the PPP. Um, for me, where it's frustrating is dealing with the big banks. Um, I've got all my accounts uh, with, with Chase. So I applied with Chase first, second day that the portals opened up and uh, I got zero response, no kind of email, no kind of uh, communication. Um, the branch manager that I would deal with, um, he would pretty much just say, hey, man, I don't know what to tell you. Like, this is not our department. I have zero updates to give you. So for about two, three weeks, zilch, nothing, no updates, nothing. And then uh, come to find out, I get an email from Chase a couple weeks later where they say, hey, we ran out of, we ran out of funding. Sorry, you know, you're out of luck. Um, and then I was going to apply for a PPP through a smaller bank. But then I got an email from Chase saying that I was in stage three where they approved my actual loan. My payroll docs fit the criteria. And so right now I'm in this awkward phase where a lot of other business owners are, where you're kind of approved, but you're not approved because the money's not in your account. And um, so it's, it's just frustrating. I really feel for a lot of the entrepreneurs out there where um, they're not even able to, to apply. Um, I will say, though, you know, the next time this is happens um, and, and this is going to happen again, this is not the only time contraction is going to happen in, in our economy cycle is I cannot stress having a good relationship with your CPA. Um, I was just telling you before we did this episode that, you know, I applied for the EIDL April 1st. And fortunate enough, I was able to get the, the $10,000 grant. Um, a lot of that was due to my CPA. I got on the phone with my CPA. He walked me through the actual SBA application, answering all the questions, uploading the docs. Um, a lot of people are scrambling. You know, they don't, maybe they do their own books. They don't have a CPA. Um, so having a CPA is super important. And then number two, 
having a good credit score. I know a lot of these SBA programs, quote unquote, aren't contingent on credit scores, but they pull credit. Um, I had my credit pulled last Tuesday, last Monday, and then I got the, the $10,000 grant on Friday. So that wasn't a, a coincidence, right? SBA, they pulled my credit. Who else would have ran my credit? I didn't apply for a credit card or a line of credit anywhere else. So I know there is something to do with credit scores. So I mean, I think that's just some learning lessons for, for people when this is all said and done is we don't know when this is going to happen again, but let's just get our ducks in a row. Yeah. I mean, your, your, your experience is really telling. And I think it's a couple of things I pull out of there. One is definitely preparedness, right? And you talk about that. You talk about financial planning and the importance of that and preparedness and having your, having your, your docs you know, in order, your ducks in a row, as you say. I think the other thing, which is it, it makes me think a lot about is relationship management, absolutely. And then just kind of understand, this goes back to financial literacy, as you talked about, understanding you know, like what to ask and who to ask and when. And it makes, me, it makes me think about a mentor of mine who actually goes back to his alma mater every year and offers a financial literacy course that is not even on the books. Like he just does it as an alum. And he does it because, and he's he's not a CPA. He's he's a he's a consultant, but he's worked for a, a major corporation for forty plus years. So he's been through things like moving between states, moving to different countries, you know, selling and buying a house. He's been through all these transactions, and he learned along the way. And he there were things he learned that he wished somebody would have told him a little bit about, and. That, that makes me think about the conversations that are probably going to be happening um, more so than not as we, as we come through this time. And as you said, there will be more contractions in the future. We know that. As you think about ways in which we can help people get more financial literacy earlier, what are the avenues you think that people can get to that? Is it, is it in school? Is it around the dinner table? Is it by reading articles? what are some ways that you think people can get to that better literacy? And then I think the other part is just knowing which questions to ask. Yeah, I I think it's about proximity. It's about the people that you're surrounded by. Um, So for me, I get a lot of my exposure to other entrepreneurs and and other industries through masterminds. Um, I belong to a couple of paid uh, entrepreneur groups um, where there's members throughout the country, and uh, it's it's enlightening. It's it's awesome being able to have conversations with people that are real estate investors. Um, I am nowhere near uh, as knowledgeable as you are in the lending space, um, but I have friends that own lending companies. Um, years ago, I didn't know the difference between a line of credit and a zero percent credit card or a term loan versus you know factoring or merchant cash advance or uh, SBA loan. So there's a lot of different products that are out there and it just comes down to who is in your circle. Um, you know, there's, there's different industries, right? You got insurance, you got retirement accounts, you got stock market, you got real estate, you got lending, um, you got these different verticals and who do you know that's in that space? Um, and if you can keep, become a part of some kind of paid uh, mastermind, some kind of paid entrepreneur group, uh, number one, it, it weeds out the people that are serious versus people that are curious and weeds out the tire kickers um, and then it allows you to surround yourself with people that are in the same kind of sphere as you are 
at the end of the day, when you, I remember I was talking to a buddy here uh, recently, we were having lunch before all this coronavirus and we were like, man, don't you ever think it's kind of weird? Like when you think about people reading books, podcasts, working out, meditation, having goals, like you think that's so normal, right? But then you talk to average people and they don't do those things. So it's like, you think it's normal, but it's not normal, right? So like you need to surround yourself with people that, that have that same mindset. And then next thing you know, um, you're just around people that are in different industries. And for me, it really pays off. Like uh, one of my buddies here in Las Vegas, you know, he owns a, a $10 million a year um, plumbing company. It's awesome being able to talk to him and just having conversations. And it's not always about, hey, man, can you help me with my sink? Um, my faucet, it's, uh, you know, hey, how are you dealing with, with this challenge? Um, he's married, he has kids, I'm married, I have kids, you know, he's got employees, I got employees. So there's just fruitful conversations. And then, you know, you talk to people that are in the financial world, and uh, it's just real life experiences. Um, and, and I'm saying that just because, you know, I, I don't have a college degree. I, I didn't come from a family that has money. There was no one really in my family that owns businesses. I didn't get a business passed on to me from a family member. I wasn't born with money. I didn't go to college. So how did I, how can I put myself in a position to get knowledge? And it's just really proximity is, is my, my long-winded answer. No, I think it's, I think it's very, um, very important for people to hear that. You know, it's, it's about who, who who you can surround yourself with and who you can connect yourself with. And I agree with you. It's really not about pedigree. It's not about, um, you know, where, where you worked or what was handed to you. I think it's much more about mindset, as you said, um, and, and having the curiosity um, and, and frankly, the, the desire to ask questions. Um, you know, I, I have often worked with a lot of clients and, and I tell them that, you know, we're, we're shifting from a world or we have shifted from a world where, there used to be a lot of currency and answers and there still are to the, to, you know, for the most part, but I would argue that there's even more currency in questions because depending on the question you ask, it can be extremely powerful and extremely, you know, um, insightful, uh, on the question that's asked. You talked about mindset for a little bit. One of the, one of the questions I, I love to ask people is how they stay healthy and change. And I think you alluded to some of this, but when you, you step back and you think about how much change you've been through over the course of, of your life and of business and being a family man and a business owner and having navigated the, the you know, the challenges. How, how do you stay healthy and change? You know, I, I think it's sticking to some, some kind of routine. And um, I, I truly believe that, you know, you, you, you got to set the tone in, in the morning. Um, so for me, it's just having some kind of routine, whether it's stretching, whether it's going on a run. Um, I used to go to the gym before all this craziness happened, right? So I, I think it's just focusing on yourself first and, and just being able to get yourself in a, in a good place. Uh, for me here lately, it's just been getting outside. You know, we're all cooped up right now. And uh, a lot of us aren't seeing other human beings and, and we're just stuck at home and, and just going on a, a walk, going on a run, seeing the trees, seeing the grass, like that's just, I think it's super important for the soul. So um, just, just having some kind of routine and, and being able to have some kind of exercise that you can do, whether it's meditating, whether it's yoga, whether it's stretching, whether it's running, whether it's just body weight exercise, just something to, to get you moving. Because every time you, you move and you have some kind of exercise like that, you never get done thinking, oh man, that was the worst thing ever. Why did I do that? You're always like, oh my gosh, that felt so good. Why don't I do that more often? We all think that. 
Right. Yeah. It reminds me of my military days when we'd be, you know, doing some exercise or military thing. And you think like the pain, you know, you're like, I'm not sure if I can handle the pain. And we used to have drill sergeants that would remind us, you know, that would say to us rather, uh, pain is just a reminder that you're alive. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you know, it's, it's one of those things that you do stop and think about it. Um, so I agree. The routine is really important. And I too have noticed that, you know, getting up in the morning and doing yoga in the living room, it makes, it sets a tone for the day, you know, um, and going out for the long walks. I'm about to go, you know, in the, in the afternoons, I like to go for a long walk in the evening, um, to decompress a little bit. Um, so I, I agree setting that routine and I, I miss, I miss the swimming. I miss the gym. I miss yeah. that. Um, and I look forward to, to doing that again, but I think in the meantime, it's, it's a real, um, it's a real opportunity to think about things like you said, going for long walks, being in nature, um, finding a routine that I can do here um, is really important. Um, before we wrap up, I would love for you to tell people where they can find out more about you and Quest um, if they wanted to reach out and possibly, you know, become a future customer or refer people to, to, the, to the great work that you're doing. Yeah, best thing to speak with me directly, I'm, I'm the most active on Facebook. So if you just look up Daniel Blue, B-L-U-E, like the color, uh, my Las Vegas pretty sure I'm the only Daniel Blue in Las Vegas so if you see that person uh, that would be me I'm pretty active there so feel free to follow me I do try to post content on there relevant to um, what's going on today and, and keep people uh, educated and entertained um, feel free to message me and then if you go to yourquest.com that's y-o-u-r-q-u-e-s-t yourquest.com we've got some information on the website there um, and then there's a contact us section where you could uh, fill out some basic information and then get on the phone with my team best thing is you know we don't sell investments so we're not on the phone to push this stock or sell this insurance product um, really it's just about identifying where you're at today there's so many people out there that have you know 401ks from old jobs or iras just floating out there where they're just getting crushed in fees they have no control over their money and if they actually actually just could understand that they actually could access that money with no penalties no taxes to maybe pay off some high interest rate debt or fund a business or just have other options beyond the stock market um, it would it would make them think twice about you know what they can or can't do with that money Absolutely. And then lastly, I would love for you to tell people what Quest stands for, because I discovered this little gem when I was going through the, the website. Uh, the Q-U-E-S-T actually stands for something. Yeah. So one of our core values is the Quest way. Um, you know, we, we really go about our days trying to just separate ourselves from everyone else. Um, and, and our competitive edge is, is our staff. Um, you know, the way we interact with our clients, the one-on-one -on -one attention that we can give. A lot of financial companies out there, they just look at clients as just a number, right? A name, a number, and that's it. Um, but they don't really know too much about them when they're born, you know, some of their hobbies or interests. And, and we really go above and beyond and trying to get to know our clients to, to be there for them. You know, we had a client last week, let us know that he lost his brother to, to COVID. Um, and um, he was crushed on the phone. We would talk to him. Um, we know what he likes. We sent him something, you know, something personal, um, something that he can actually touch and see and feel. And I know he's going to smile. Um, it's not going to wipe away the pain, all the pain and, and his tears because he lost his brother but stuff like that he's going to remember for a long time and uh, that, that's what we strive for so um, we came up with this little acronym it's called the quest way and 
and uh, what the Questway stands for is uh, quickly utilizing everyone's talents to welcome and assist you. Um, every single one of my staff members has a, a unique talent and uh, there's 13 of us or so small enough to really know what we're good at, what we're not good at, and just being able to, you know, have good synergy, have good teamwork and, and deploy the best service that we can amongst our customers. I love that. I love the concept of utilizing everyone's special talents. Um, I really appreciate you making the time to, to share your perspective and your story. Um, I think I'm a believer that we are, uh, we grow powerful from our stories of origin and it, it's what makes our, you know, our, our unique special talent. So thank you, Daniel, for, for sharing um, during this time. Um, I look forward to um, talking again in the future and um, hopefully having people connect with you. Hey, Bill, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I appreciate it.